Oh, happy hour. What could be happier than 23 comics doing jokes for each other and at a radio listening audience? Puppets, kittens, unicorns, porn maybe? Oh, well, stage time makes them happy. And this super happy comedy open mic is open every Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. But you can also listen anytime by downloading the podcast at Mutiny Radio FM Index at Podcasts. PCRcollective.org. So come live or listen later or to every happy hour mic Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. at Radio FL Mutiny Radio. I just fucked that up again. What the fuck is wrong with me? Yeah! I got it. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Four ninety-nine. Are you tired?
theme song for this show. Reaching out to all those people who voted for Donald Trump, whatever reason, who are also people of conscience, good-hearted By voting for Trump, you serve somebody. Serve capital. Well, it may be the devil, serve the devil. Or it may be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Doesn't matter why you vote. Maybe your your motives were pure. Maybe you want a better life. Nothing wrong with that. Maybe you want better things for the United States. Nothing wrong with that. Maybe you just pulled the lever because you're a man. One right road. They may what the hell? call you doctor. Let's eat the well, whole shit. You can't be worse than you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, you are. You're gonna have to serve somebody. Even though your motives were good, you served the devil. Well, it may be the devil or it. You're still, you're still serving somebody. See if we can get the rest of uh, Bob Dylan. Maybe living in another country under another name, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, you are. You're going to have to serve somebody. You serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Nobel Prize winner. Might be living in a mansion. You might live in a dome. You may own guns and you may even own tanks. You may be somebody's landlord. You may even own banks. But you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, you're gonna have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil, it may be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Maybe a city councilman taking bribes on the side. Maybe working in a barber shop, you may know how to cut hair. It may be somebody's mistress, maybe somebody's heir, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, you're gonna have to serve somebody. Sleeping in a king size bed, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. 
Quite simply, this is madness. This is a mad time. We have a rapist prisoner. This is madness, the last pose. Spirit, his eyes burning red, black and green flames, and crying tears. 
fields of Thunderbird wine that seems to touch my lips and make me become thirsty for a taste of freedom. Freedom by any means necessary. It's necessary to have freedom by any means necessary. And I begin to hate with love and love and hate. This is madness. This is madness. This is madness. And I look up and see the moon bleeding lifeless white maggots and screaming for my help as the eagle's raping claws rip and tear at its virginal form. All ECs, all toothmosis, all sunrise, all bismillah, hirakmalirim. Give me your undying strength to rise up and reorder the cosmos so that man can truly understand and appreciate the cosmic beauties and realities of science and love. And he has turned the feminine part of me into a sexual freak. Look at her standing there wearing her micro miniskirt made from the strands of Freud's mother's pubic hairs and an uncovered breast dripping blood and pus and her lips colored with that anesthetic white woman called Avon. But yet she smiles at me with the indignity of overcoming ejaculating sperm into her mind. And Maurice McGuire has mentioned the finger fucking her at night in his red dreams and her soft wet bringing tears of love seem to flood my heart with strength to gather all my manhood from my lower head and to put it back into my upper head and then to put her back on a pedestal as my love queen and not my sex queen and I hear my mother's voice whistling in the wind reminding me of the many times he tried to rape her of her blackness but she with the strength of a panther the swiftness of a cheetah and the cunning of a lioness would not be caged up with the other lies that kept me from being totally free and when she came home at night I could smell the musty closeness of his body and see his transducent fingerprints on a tired, really physical structure, depressed from warding off his beastly attacks. But she would smile, the smile of a thousand black orchids at me, not realizing all the while that the anger of a hundred symbols was residing in my soul. And doing all this time, my father was somewhere drowned in a bottle of cheap wine and letting that spiritual catalyst John Coltrane pay celestial homers to that white god who was riding his main vein. This is madness! This is madness! This is madness! And Dinosaur, how can you be supreme and sing songs of black love when your mouth is overrunning with the sperm of trigger? And William Siren is going to commit suicide when he finds out that Nat Turner made love to his great And he has taken our most violent and militant leaders and drunk lollipops up the ass to pacify their black paw fuzz. And he is beginning to assume that all of us were born under the sign Taurus to Bull, because all we do is bullshit. I've been saying to my friends, well, <clears throat> I guess I'm as about as good as could be. And lightning struck, and 
the form of Donald Trump to a smug, you know, self-satisfied group of people who did everything right, ran all the campaigns the way you're supposed to, and still lost. So the theme today is that the working class was there looking for someone who would voice their concerns. The Democratic Party effectively excised a left analysis. When I say a left analysis, I mean an, ana an analysis that puts the fault for the poverty, physical poverty, and the poverty of hope here in the United States, which has hit white workers, white people, the 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 problem is the people at the top, the rich, the 1% who own 40% of the wealth in our country and the 10% who own two-thirds of it. This was a left analysis, but instead workers got a right analysis and the right analysis is I'm going to get you more jobs. We're going to do away with unions, right? And the problem is not you or not the structure, because the, the structure of America is great. It's exceptional, right? The problem is these other people, these immigrants, these uppity women, okay? These African-American people, these welfare queens, these lazy people. The problem is Obama. The problem is government programs like affordable health care. They're going to have a fine time taking away health care, health insurance from 20 million people who got it because of Obamacare. Maybe that's something they didn't read. At any rate, this is Labor and Love. I'm the B, and... We're coming at you from Mutiny Radio, a community arts center on 2781 21st Street, corner of Florida and 21st. And this, the name of the show is Labor and Love. This is the show where we tell you how it is from the point of view of working people. We talk about if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, Another person got a dollar they didn't work for a dollar they didn't get. One person gets a dollar they didn't work for. Another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. Number two, if you don't have a seat at the table, at the negotiating table that is, you're probably on the menu. And third, never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Okay, let's talk a little, uh, a couple of analyses. In these times, says Trump won not because, won because the Democratic Party failed, not because the white working class revolted. Reckoning is here for progressives and the Democratic Party now that the unthinkable has happened. 
Most of America is asking how Hillary Clinton and the entire Democratic establishment could lose to a woman-bashing, Mexican-deporting, Muslim-hating, white supremacist-embracing charlatan. Trump captured the historical mood with his message of white nationalism and economic populism. Then he threaded an electoral college needle against an atrocious candidate. Clinton has a lead in the roughly 120 million votes cast for the two major party candidates, while Trump essentially won with some 107,000 votes. That's his combined margin in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. The Democrats failed to defend firewall states like Michigan and Wisconsin, devoting huge resources to insurance states like Florida and Ohio. But here's why she really lost. Clinton had close to 9 million fewer votes than Barack Obama did in 2008 and roughly 5 million fewer votes than he did in 2012. There's no doubt that much of the Democratic base repudiated Clinton. Even the Cormie letter may have cost Clinton up to three points. That could have helped Clinton to a decisive win. Comey never told Clinton to set up a private email service. Just like WikiLeaks never told Clinton to deliver secret speeches to investment banks. Crooked Hillary stuck because of the Clintons' own doings. The emails, their foundation, 22 million in speaking fees, two-faced policy positions... Primaries were flashing a red light warning of some of these problems. Bernie Sanders posed a serious challenge to Clinton despite her backing by the entire party establishment. Even then, if she had tapped Sanders to be her running mate, she might have won because of his appeal among millennials. So the Democratic Party excised this part that might appeal to working people, this kind of Bernie analysis. But instead of tending to the Democratic base demanding single-payer health care, a Green New Deal, and free higher education, Clinton veered right with a Democratic National Convention espousing militarism, American exceptionalism, and God. This strategy blew up in Clinton's face. Absolutely true, I think. Uh, Clinton thought that was the way to win. That's the way you win, usually. In elections, you go to the center. The other thing is that Trump was aided a lot by news media, for whom he he was a perfect salesman. The estimate is that Trump got $1.9 billion of free advertising and Clinton got about half that. And 
one of the heads of CBS said, well, maybe Trump isn't good for America, but he's certainly good for ratings. And I think that's the bottom line here. Trump's ratings were way better, so the news media gave him as much time as they could. Anyway, plus Clinton would never pick a social Democrat like Sanders because she is neoliberal to the bone. Instead of countering Republicans, the Democrats have battered the working class, white, brown, and black, who watched as businesses shuttered and communities shriveled. Obama failed to help workers in a meaningful way despite his resounding mandate. He spent his political capital to save Wall Street and design a health care system more beneficial to the for-profit industry than its patients. Trump took workers' social and economic ills, produced as much by Democrats as by Republicans, and he fed them through a racial grinder to make his alt-white sausage. He created an identity that a majority of the white working class and middle class flocked to. It is racist, but it's not fixed. And much of this failure to retain the majority of the white working class in the Democratic Party lays with organized labor, which does little organizing beyond get out the vote and contract negotiation campaigns. Organized for left forces need to push labor hard. As shown in WikiLeaks, many prominent labor leaders suck up to pro-Wall Street Democrats and sideline policies that would show workers' government can be a force for good and not fear in their lives. Clinton only won union households by eight points. In Ohio, she lost union households by 12. A larger margin than she lost non-union Trump's victory is a declaration of civil, social civil war. We know what many of these battles will be, and it's going to be a dark four years. The task ahead is to defend those communities and people at the risk from Trumpism. Build power where the left does have real potential. Cities of all sizes and deep blue states. And focus on organizing principled, inclusive, radical movements that can shift the entire political terrain. Okay, that's um, in these times. That's their analysis. Uh, listen to the labor news. Workers Independent News We Can Review. I'm Doug Cunningham. AFL-CIO President Rich Trumka says more than anything, the presidential election was an indictment of politics as usual. Trumka says for too long, political elites embraced economic policies that hold down wages, increase inequality, diminish opportunity, 
and ship American jobs overseas. Trump made many promises to workers on trade, restoring manufacturing and reviving communities. Trumka says the labor movement will work to make promises of better lives for working people real. Labor will work with the new president if he's willing to work with labor. But Trumka says labor can never back down from its values. He says the campaign's racism, misogyny, and anti-immigrant appeals caused damage that must be repaired. The labor movement, Trumka says, is more committed than ever to help working people win a voice on the job and in our democracy. UAW President Dennis Williams says that since Trump disagreed with the Republican Party on trade, that could actually be an area where the new GOP president might actually do something that helps workers. He wasn't a friend of the Republican Party. He actually set the Republican Party upside down in the philosophy of trade because they believe in free trade without any barriers, right? He don't. His argument about a lot of these things were not in line with the Republican Party. So he is an individual like we have not seen before. So when I see that, I don't see the traditional Republican president. I see somebody who made a lot of commitment to blue-collar workers about fairness and their right to be part of the American dream. And that, to me, means rebuilding the middle class and having greater opportunities. We're going to see what he says compared to what he does. Voters in Arizona, Colorado, and Maine voted to raise minimum wages for over 2 million workers. The wages will be raised to $12 an hour. Washington voted to raise the state minimum wage there to $13.50, but these wages won't fully phase in until 2020. The Economic Policy Institute says legislative minimum wage increases passed earlier this year in California, New York, Oregon, the District of Columbia, and roughly a dozen cities and counties helped millions more workers. Families USA says Trump's election means it is on a total war footing in a fight to save the Affordable Care Act. 20 million Americans who didn't have it before got health care insurance under the ACA. Families USA says repealing this law will have tragic consequences for tens of millions of people. The group says it will fight hard to try to stop the repeal. Limits on insurance company behaviors like denying coverage or hiking rates for previously existing conditions or removing lifetime limits on coverage would also be wiped out if the ACA is repealed. Workers Independent News provided by Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. Okay, so uh, big union leaders looking for uh, a silver lining in the election of Donald Trump. I don't think there is one because ultimately it's government by personality. But but for example, if um, Trump can deliver on some of those things, if he can bring back factory jobs and manufacturing jobs, if he does get out of the TPP and uh, and reach out to uh, workers, who knows? I don't know. I guess it's <laughs> some people look for a silver lining in everything. The Backlash Blues, Nina Simone. Mr. Backlash, Mr. Backlash. 
my son to Vietnam to give me second class houses and second class schools do you think that all colored folks are just second class fools Mr. Backline I'm gonna leave you with a backlash Some of the most upsetting news was uh, that um, 53% of white women voted for Donald Trump. I'm not sure what percent of white men, but I'm sure it was more than that. So my question to you is, I know, you know, times are tough. I know it seems like uh, you've been forgotten and ridiculed. I don't know why you feel that way, but people do. I know you feel like America left you behind and this is supposed to be a white society. This is supposed to be a white man's nation. And that's slipping away now. We're becoming a multicultural. Anyway, if these things made you uneasy, you voted for Trump. But how do you look your daughter or your wife or your sister or your mother in the eye? And I'm talking about women too. How do you look that little girl in the eye and say, yeah, well, uh, Trump says he grabs women by their vaginas when he feels like it and they let him because he's a star. And he was elected president. A dozen women have come forth and said he approached them 
He groped them. He kissed them without their permission. Yes, he grabbed them by their vaginas. Telling this now. Oh, and we just elected him your president. On just that basic level, I know Hillary is a maven of Wall Street. She's bought and sold. I can't get too upset about the emails because they weren't hacked. Emails on her uh, private server. All that, I think, was kind of constructed as well as the Cormie letter. But how can you look women in the eye, the women in your life in the eye and vote for Trump? And I know Clinton was a womanizer, is a womanizer. Yes. We weren't voting on Clinton. We were voting on Trump. Now we have a rapist in the White House. His wife said he raped her. A rapist in the White House. And uh, I guess people are trying to figure out if there's a silver lining, but no matter what kind of advantage Donald Trump brings to you or me or anybody, that's got to mean something. Here's the poet, May Sarton, My Sisters, My Sisters. My sisters, oh my sisters, nous qui voulions poser image ineffaçable, comme un delta divin notre main sur le sable. Anna de Noailles. Dorothy Wordsworth, dying, did not want to read. I am too busy with my own feelings, she said. And all women who have wanted to break out of the prison of consciousness, to sing or shout, are strange monsters who renounce the treasure of their silence for a curious, devouring pleasure. Dickinson, Rossetti, Sappho, they all know it. Something is lost strained, unforgiven in the poet. She abdicates from life, or like George Sand, suffers from the mortality in an immortal hand, loves too much, spends a whole life to discover she was born a good grandmother, not a good lover. Too powerful for men, Madame de Stael, too sensitive, Madame de Sévigné, who burdened where she meant to give. Delicate as that burden was and so supremely lovely, it was too heavy for her daughter, much too heavy. Only when she built inward, in a fearful isolation, did anyone succeed or learn to fuse emotion with thought. Only when she renounced did Emily begin in the fierce, lonely light to learn to be. Only in the extremity of spirit and the flesh and in renouncing passion did Sappho come to bless. Only in the farewells or in old age 
does sanity shine through the crimson stains of their mortality. And now, we who are writing women and strange monsters still search our hearts to find the difficult answers, still hope that we may learn to lay our hands more gently and more subtly on the burning sands, to be through what we make more simply human, to come to the deep place where poet becomes woman, where nothing has to be renounced or given over in the pure light that shines out from the lover, in the warm light that brings forth fruit and flower, and that great sanity, that sun, the feminine power. Silence bound in jail Had no money for to go that bail Keep your eyes on the prize Hold on Paul and Silas thought they was lost Dungeon shook and the chains come off Chain a hand on 
What we have to tell ourselves in, in times like this, just keep on going. One patch of ice doth not a winner make. <laughs> and there were some bright spots, especially here in California. And we can go through the... Uh, <clears throat> the propositions here, Prop 51 and 55 were school funding. They both passed. <clears throat> um, cigarette tax passed by 5 to 3. Criminal sentences, parole rules for nonviolent offenders. Uh, 58, this was a sea change. English language education. In 1998, Californians passed a ridiculous Prop 227, which banned bilingual education and required English immersion programs. What idiocy. The children can't understand what the teacher's saying. What idiocy. Anyway, this restored bilingual education, and this is like over 70%, yes. A sea change in California attitudes. 59 is about Citizens United to uh, try to get California officials to do all they can to get it overturned. Uh, one dark spot was the f big pharma spent millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to defeat Prop 61. And all Prop 61 would have done would have been to allow the state to shop around for drug prices, just like the Veterans Affairs does. But it was turned into, dishonestly turned into, a referendum on veterans. You know, you're going to screw me? I'm a poor veteran. I think what they thought was that their prices would go up if the state was negotiating uh, for everybody. Doesn't sound like capitalism to me. The more business you have, the price is supposed to be lower, no? Anyway, they scared a lot of people with that. Got a lot of veterans to come on and <clears throat> and uh, plead their case for him. Another one is the death penalty ban, which lost, and the death penalty speed up, 66 at one, barely one, 50 to 49. State death penalty appeals make them move more quickly, impose time limits on appeals, and requires any attorney handling appears to take death penalty cases hoping I guess to scare lawyers into not taking the cases 
there were a couple more. Marijuana legalization passed comfortably 56 to 43. I'll have to see how that plays out. Um, overturned ban on plastic bags. 2014 state law banning single-use uh, bags. Yes vote would uphold the ban. That was confusing. No vote overturns it. That one, 52-47. Oh, and California passed a landmark ammunition uh, law. Prop 63 bans possession of large capacity magazines, limits ammunition sales, and requires ammunition buyers to pass a background check and obtain Department of Justice authorization to buy bullets. So those were the state initiatives in, in my community in Pacifica, California. Uh vote was split on the city council between pro and anti-growth people one anti-growth person one and one pro-growth uh, proposition N which provides funds for a new library was defeated and I can see why that was because Pacifica maybe doesn't need a world class library now that people have the internet. So what we have is two satellite branches, one in the north of Pacific, Northern Pacifica, one in Southern. So this bill would have um, sold those, the land where those libraries are and built one super library, uh, which would have been um, very hard for people in the Southern part of Pacifica to get to uh, just in terms of driving time so that was overturned and the other was a proposition in proposition w uh, growth the its developer sort of twisted the language around and said that it's called preserve the quarry the quarry is this open land that used to be a rock quarry in pacifica and uh, this developer cloaked his ambitions to build on it in a rhetoric of saving the quarry. In other words, decorating it, making it look nice. Now it's a scar on the land. Well, that went down uh, to defeat as well. Notice that the uh, sugar tax on sugary beverages passed. The uh, free city college parcel tax passed, requiring a two-thirds vote, got 79%. Um, what else have we got? Affordable housing raises max maximum income level for qualifying for subsidized affordable housing. Lost campaign ethics one. Uh, competitive bidding, non-citizen vote. 
allows non-citizens with children in city schools to vote in Board of Education electives. Anyway, so there are some bright spots. Um, city College to be free, that would be very nice. That would partially restore City College to what it was, which was a real community school. A school where you could go and get um, courses that might cost you a lot of money for uh, much lower prices. The recent uh, attempt to turn it into a two-year college period has sort of broken down, but the harm that was done when all that was brought into question is like the Cormie letter. Well, uh, City College, if you don't get it together in a year, you're going to close. Now, what would that do to people who want to go to City College? <laughs> We're going to register at City College. Who knows? Okay, well, one thing is sure. We're in the USA. Back in the USA.
just referring to uh, the bilingual education program. This is a struggle that's been going on now for 50 years and before, well before that, 60 years. And we had bilingual education for a while. It was never fully funded. And immediately what happened was that teachers who didn't speak Spanish tried to figure a way around it. Even to the point where teachers now with a a proper credential can teach students who don't speak English. They can teach in English all the time. In fact, they're required to. Hopefully this will help it, but it feels so strange. We're fighting the same battles over and over again. It's like a circle game.
Tony Mitchell there with uh, her beautiful rendition of the circle game. And it feels like a circle game. Here we are fighting again for... Here we are again, you know, fighting the uh, battle over bilingual education, for Christ's sake. Okay, this is uh, long ago. Okay, since we're talking about uh, since we're talking about poets from the from the sixties, let's see, something's playing here. Since we're talking about people from the sixties and poets from the sixties, here's one. Here's a guy that uh, just died this week. Leonard Cohen. A song I wrote a long time ago. That I feel very good about this song. I'll tell you why. It's a song that people loved. And uh, fortunately, uh, the rights of it were stolen from me. So um, I felt that was perfectly justified because uh, it would be wrong to write this song and get rich from it, too. So, uh, was already rich. I'm happy for that friend who put that piece of paper in front of me and said, uh, sign this. So I said, uh, well, what is this? He said, oh, just the standard writer's contract. So I signed it, and it was gone. Suzanne takes you down to 
Okay, that was Leonard Cohn, who uh, died just this last week. He won't see Trump's America. Or maybe it's, he's, we were all living in Trump's America for a long time, whatever. Uh, Leonard Cohen, that's how we used to talk. Oh, I, uh, <laughs> I wrote this song and then I signed away. It was stolen from me, but uh, that's okay because, uh, it would be bad to uh, sing this song and perform it, have written it, and uh, profit by it. <clears throat> Cohen was a uh, son, uh, Canadian, son of uh, 
a well-to-do family. His father owned a, a big clothing store in, uh, I want to say Montreal. Um, let's see. And uh, a big clothing store. So Cohen never really, never really had to worry about money and there are good ways and bad ways to uh, handle that. Um, this song, Suzanne, was a, a huge hit, and it's sort of understated. This is Leonard Cohen, understated, sort of clever, uh, sometimes a little um, ostentatious about how cool and how uh, understated he was. And anyway, Leonard Cohen. Before that, of course, Joni Mitchell in the Circle Game. Uh, here's the guy, the guy who voted in Donald Trump, at least some of them, Mr. Block. Come on, Mr. Block. Trump's not going to help you. Please give me your attention. I'll introduce to you a man that is a credit to our red, white, and blue. His head is made of lumber and solid as a rock. He is a common worker and his name is Mr. Block. And Block, he thinks he may be president someday. Oh, Mr. Block, you were born by mistake. You take the cake, you make me ache. Tie your rock on your block and then jump in the lake. Kindly do that for liberty's sake. Yes, Mr. Block is lucky. He found a job by G. The shark got seven dollars for job and fare and fee. They shipped him to a desert and dumped him with his truck. But when he tried to find his job, he sure was out of luck. He shouted, that's the roar. I'll fix them with the law. Oh, Mr. Block, you were born by mistake. You take the cake, you make me ache. Tie a rock on your block and then jump in the lake. Kindly do that for liberty's sake. The money kings in Cuba blow up the gunboat main, but block it awful angry and blamed it all on Spain. He went right in a battle and there he lost his leg, and now he's peddling showstrings and he's walking on a pen. He shouts, remember Maine, hooray to hell with Spain. Oh, Mr. Block, you were born by mistake. You take the cake, you make me ache. Tie your rock on your block and then jump in the lake. Kindly do that for liberty's sake. Poor Block, he died one evening. I'm very glad to stay. He climbed the golden leather up to the pearly gate. He said, oh, Mr. Peter, one word I'd like to tell. I'd like to meet the Astorbilts and John D. Rockefeller. Oh, pizza, is that so? You'll meet them down below. Oh, Mr. Block, you were born by mistake. You take the cake, 
you make me ache Tie your rock on your block and then jump in the lake Kindly do that for liberty's sake Okay, that song is for the Mr. Blocks of all political stripes The people who think that a rich person will come and save them that a billionaire capitalist is their friend or that a big money Democrat who makes speeches to bankers and financiers and gets paid millions of dollars for it that either one of them can help you or will indeed help you not going to happen Okay, we've got to get out there and do it ourselves. Let's see. Uh, I wanted to play this one. This is about, this is Jack Kerouac with his American haikus. See, In my medicine cabinet, the winter fly has died of old age. <laughs> Well, here I am, 2 p.m. What day is it? The tree looks like a dog barking at heaven. Prayer beads on the holy book, my knees are cold. In the morning frost, the cats step slowly. No telegram today, only more leaves fell. <laughs> the castle of the Gandharvas is full of aging young couples. Early morning yellow flowers, thinking about the drunkards of Mexico. The national scene, late afternoon sun in those trees. Nightfall, boy smashing dandelions with a stick. 
holding up my purring cat to the moon, I sighed. <laughs> August moon, oh, I got a boil on my thigh. <laughs> Drunk as a hoot owl, writing letters by thunderstorm. All day long, wearing a hat that wasn't on my head. Beautiful young girls running up the library steps with shorts on. Crossing the football field, coming home from work, the lonely businessman. <laughs> useless, useless, heavy rain driving into the sea. After the shower, among the drenched roses, the bird thrashing in the bath. The little worm lowers itself from the roof by a self-shat thread. Snap your finger, stop the world, rain falls harder. Nightfall, too dark to read the page, too cold. Well, that was Jack Kerouac with his brand of uh, working-class angst. Um, beautiful little haikus, as a matter of fact, entitled American Haikus, Jack Kerouac. And I don't know who that was on sax. Um, a beautiful idea. A lot of the beat poets experimented with music and poetry until uh, by the 1980s, you got Allen Ginsberg singing with a rock and roll band, singing with a Tom Petty band. Uh, 
Let's listen to one more song by Leonard Cohen. This beautiful song is called The Sisters of Mercy. All the sisters of mercy, they are not departed or gone. They were waiting for me when I thought that I just can't go on. And they brought me their comfort and later they brought me this song.
That was Leonard Cohen with another one of his famous songs. Uh, I think you get the tone of uh, Leonard Cohen, uh, kind of ostentatiously underspoken. Um, like I say, sometimes a bit ostentatious. Uh, Leonard Cohen is remembered for saying, uh, well, you're wasting your time when you say the word revolution because every time you say the word revolution, that puts the revolution off for seven seconds. Okay. Okay, enough on Leonard Cohen. Let's see. We're looking for uh, Radio Labor. Radio Labor and their uh, weekly report on the world labor scene. Everywhere, all around the world, all the time, every second, there are labor actions going on all around the world. The World Labor Report. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, November 11th, 2016. I'm Mark Boulanger. In the report this week, the United States elects a racist, misogynist, anti-union right-winger as president. The Trades Union Congress in the UK starts a new campaign to unionize young workers. And the Labor Start report about union events around the world. This is Radio Labor. I like right to work. I mean, my position on right to work is 100%. The United States of America has elected Donald Trump as its 45th president, a man who many labor leaders have described as racist, misogynist, and anti-union. Some of them have pointed to Mr. Trump's support for so-called right to work laws, which are laws designed to get unions out of workplaces. The laws have enabled a number of states, such as Wisconsin, to seriously weaken, if not destroy, labor unions, especially public employee unions. Here is the next president of the United States, Donald Trump. Well, I think right to work is a good thing. I think right to work is, uh, is happening more and more. And, you know, I come from a very, very heavily unionized state in New York, especially Manhattan. And I've always gotten along very well with unions. I've made a lot of money in deals built by unions because as a builder in New York, I mean, every building is built. I would say virtually every single building in Manhattan is built with union labor. I've always had a very good relationship with labor, but I also understand it's more expensive. It costs a lot of money, and there is a downside. And I know so much about right-to-work versus union labor, and more and more people are going non-union. And it's very interesting because I never thought I'd see it. I've never thought I'd see what's going on in Wisconsin and so many other states right now. It's a tough time for unions. And what that's really doing is people are saying we want the costs to come down. Mr. Trump was opposed by the AFL-CIO, the largest labor federation in the United States. Richard Trumka, the president of the AFL-CIO, spoke about Donald Trump just a few days before the election. He spoke in Atlantic City in the state of New Jersey, where Mr. Trump has shut down a number of failed casinos using bankruptcy laws, which canceled wages due to workers and payments owed to small contractors. Mr. Trumka. It's our job to explain that Donald Trump won't solve America's problem. 
He is America's problem. <laughs> Name any core value, any core American value, and Donald Trump is against it. Freedom of religion, freedom of the press, responsibility, equality, unity, integrity. He stands against everything, every American value that we stand for. And what about his claim that he's a great businessman? Well, brothers and sisters, you take a walk down Atlantic Avenue, stand on the boardwalk, and look around. You can see what he's done to this city. And we're not going to let him do to America what he tried to do to Atlantic City right here, right? Here's the last bit of proof you need. And I find this astounding. Donald Trump actually rooted for the collapse of the housing and real estate market two years before it happened. He bet on himself and he bet against America. Now, I don't have to tell you about the impact of the crash here in New Jersey, how people lost homes, lost their jobs, lost their life savings, lost their livelihoods, how some couldn't cope with it and took their own lives in the process because it was too much for them. And Donald Trump was profiting with every inch and every bit of that pain. The Trades Union Congress in the UK, the TUC, has started a major organizing effort to bring more young people into unions. The TUC represents some 6 million workers in 51 unions. It is focusing on what are called zero-hour contracts. These are employment contracts workers are expected to sign but do not include any guaranteed hours. In other words, the workers are expected to be on standby all week without a promise of paid hours. Here are some of the young people who are working with the TUC. If you're on a zero hours contract, you don't know how many hours you might work each week or if you get any hours at all. No guaranteed hours means no guaranteed pay to support yourself. Workers on zero hours contracts typically earn half as much as a permanent worker. And half of all zero hour contract workers are under the age of 30. Unions work in industries where insecure contracts are common, such as retail and hospitality. Young workers shouldn't have to accept temporary contracts, short hours or no hours at all, just to make ends meet. And yet, only 9% of 16 to 24 year olds are in a trade union. Unions got us weekends, national minimum wage and holidays. And right now we're securing better pay for young workers, an end to insecure contracts and protection from harassment and bullying. Unions are your best route to get ahead at work. The United Nations Agency specialized on matters of work in the world has re-elected a trade unionist as its leader.
Guy Ryder has been chosen by the International Labour Organization for a second term as its Director General. Before being elected as the leader of the ILO, Mr. Ryder was the General Secretary of the Trades Union Congress in the UK. He will be in charge of the ILO as it continues its role in setting international minimum standards on issues such as health and safety, equal pay for work of equal value, and the respect of workers' rights, such as the right to form and join a union. Now here with his report about union events around the world is Labour Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a small sample of the more than 2,200 stories our volunteers collected last week. Our top story section included links to news about the union reaction to the election in the United States, a further term of imprisonment for an Iranian teachers union leader, and the news that another 10,000 public sector workers have been sacked by the Turkish government. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. Casual Indian public service laborers remained off the job, their strike passing the 80-day mark while workers at a Honda scooter factory who had been on a hunger strike to wing back their jobs after being sacked for organizing ended their 52-day protest. Construction workers in Georgia achieved all their demands after eight days of protests and picketing. Public sector workers in Chile were protesting government austerity measures. United Nations refugee workers walked off the job in Palestine to protest the lack of support for their work by the UN and by national governments. Workers in Taiwan stopped work and started a hunger strike over cuts to the number of national holidays. Mexican healthcare workers were out in a wage dispute and have discovered financial irregularities in hospital funding. And water treatment workers in Oman took a day to protest intrusive workplace security measures instituted by their employer. Our top working women's stories included coverage of a national campaign to improve the health and safety of hotel room attendants, mostly women, in Canada, the introduction of 26 weeks of maternity leave in India, and Australian preparations for Monday's National Day of Action Against Family Violence. The Health and Safety Newswire, rerun in cooperation with Hazards magazine, carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the Canadian union that is campaigning to end the harassment of student workers, the call for protection from extreme weather conditions for British workers, and a garment factory fire in India that killed 13 workers. Currently, Labour Start is running seven online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labour Start, reporting for Radio Labour. And that's it. International labour news you can use. Follow us on Twitter, at Radio Labour. I'm Mark Boulanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. Radio Labor News. I want to play this interview with Randy Weingarten. Randy Weingarten is head of the American Federation of Teachers and has a background in protest movements. Um, this is a story that has gone away, but it hasn't gone away. Uh, 2014, 43 young teachers in training 
who were taking a bus from one village to another were taken off the bus and murdered. And uh, nobody knows who did it. You know, everybody knows who did it, but nobody knows who did it. So here, here's Randy Weingarten. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labour. Hello, I'm Mark Boulanger. Six teacher unions from North and Latin America are calling on the United Nations to investigate the mysterious disappearance of 43 student teachers in Mexico two years ago. One of the unions calling for action by the UN's Human Rights Council is the American Federation of Teachers. The AFT represents some 1.6 million members working as educators and other public employees. I talked to AFT President Randy Weingarten. I asked her to describe what happened to the student teachers in Mexico. Two years ago, 43 teachers in training, Mexican teachers in training, disappeared under very mysterious circumstances. And despite people from all across the world, including Mexican teachers, asking the government to take an investigation seriously and find these teachers and training, people who wanted to make a difference in the lives of children, not only was the government silent, but there's some evidence that suggests that they were complicit. And so now, two years later, a group of trade unionists from Brazil, Argentina, Chile, Colombia, El Salvador, and ourselves are asking the UN Human Rights Council to find these teachers or find out what happened. There is a grave injustice that has been done, a human rights violation, a moral violation, and that's why today we have all collectively in solidarity taken this action. No bodies have been found. Is there a chance some of the young student teachers could be alive? You know, until we know what has happened to them, you never know. And one can always hope and one can always pray. But at the end of the day, regardless of what has happened to them, we need to find out. The educators of the world are now the conscience of what has happened to these young people who wanted to be teachers. What do you expect the UN's Human Rights Council to do? We expect the UN Human Rights Council to take this seriously and to put pressure on the Mexican government to do not only a proper investigation, but also find, if possible, find out if these kids are still alive and if not, what happened to them. This is about the eyes of the world trying to shine a spotlight on this grave injustice. Why is the AFT so interested in this situation in Mexico? We are part of the sisterhood and brotherhood of educators all throughout the world. And when people go after the teachers of the world, you know something is very wrong. Teachers help create democracy. Teachers help create voice. Teachers help create the kind of world that we want to live in. So teachers should be nurtured. They should be valued, not kidnapped. And that's why it's so important. That was uh, Randy Weingarten, the head of the American Federation of Teachers, talking about uh, 
43 students disappearing in Mexico. Hey, they're not here. No bodies have been found. They're dumped somewhere out in the desert. They've been murdered. Who knows? So it's about time for us to get out of here, but I, I do want to play one more thing. Um, again, to those brothers and sisters. Oop. Again, to those brothers and sisters who wanted to vote for Donald Trump. It's not just Trump himself. It's the people who come along with him. Like these guys in sheets. This is Richie Havens. He who rides with the 
Richie Havens singing about the Klan. Uh, and as he says, he who rides with the Klan is a devil, not a man. So the Klan's political ally uh, just won the presidency. Remember when uh, Trump refused to disassociate himself from the Klan and from David Duke? And Duke ended up... Uh, being energized by the Trump campaign and running for senator. Losing, but running anyway. And um, four square in his support of Trump. It's about time now to get out of here and uh, leave the mic to Scott Walker and Flat Black Plastic. This is the B letting you know when one person gets a dollar they didn't work for another person worked for a dollar they didn't get if you don't have a seat at the negotiating table where you work you're probably on the menu and never but never let anyone in your heart who is not a friend of labor when I say labor I mean you call out to Vita Sylvia my whole fam, Charlie, Alexandra, the whole group. Happy day for uh, Lucy, my granddaughter, whose son is celebrating his second birthday and getting baptized. So we'll see you at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> this is the B signing off. Wishing you a good week and good work. Bye-bye.
tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Good evening there, my friends, here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for near fun every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Want to go to Burning Man, but you don't have the right goggles, costume, or attitude? Visit 20 Mission Hive at 2415 Mission Street between 20th and 21st in the heart of the Mission District. Easily accessible by BART, this collective of unique artists and vendors has eclectic handmade clothing, leatherwork, artisan jewelry, antiques, crystals, and there's even an amazing florist. Whisper pirate ship to your 20 Mission High vendor for a special 10% discount on the coolest, most original items in San Francisco. That's 20 Mission Hive with eight vendors and like them on Facebook at 20 Mission Hive. 20 Mission High for awesome events and updates. The dictionary definition of the adjective eclectic is selecting or choosing from various sources. When Bay Area musician J.D. Buell brings you Morning Train Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon on Mutiny Radio, that is exactly what he does. Select music from various sources to give you a unique listening experience. 
rock, pop, jazz, bluegrass, gospel, funk, reggae, folk, blues, country and western, electronica, soul, disco, rhythm and blues, punk and post-punk, come together with music from around the world, with Buell's passionate and down-to-earth delivery. In an age of personal music delivery systems, J.D. Buell carries on the values of progressive FM radio when a listener could actually have a relationship with a programmer, someone who would create an eclectic musical environment wherein both listener and host find fulfillment. The Morning Train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday, 10 to noon on mutinyradio.fm. Freeform radio for free minds. and underground space for an event? Look no further than mutinyradio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now to hurt me but boy how it burns me whenever she touched me and oh I feel so lucky well hey there San Francisco if you're looking for some delicious late night food I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's bar inside you can find counter offer and my offering you amazing late night food and snacks try the chicken biscuit it's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado they have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini, and creamy-licious mac and cheese. You like tacos? Thank you, Adam. And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads going to come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son. and super cool bands at clubs 